Welcome, welcome down to this week's episode of Palais Talks Golf, powered by 4Golf Custom. If you want a tour, experience, quality fitting, zero tolerance built clubs, head over to Derek and Dave and Co. You won't look back. You press play this week because you're probably interested about that sleeping giant that I've put out there as Keown Chabale, and it is indeed a sleeping giant. Hidden gem no more, sleeping giant it is. And that, of course, is due to the island out in the Atlantic that does look like a sleeping giant. I went out there thanks to the lovely Mr. Flannery, Cormac Flannery, or Wild Atlantic Way Pro, if you follow him on social media. Um, I do love names, especially names of golf holes. I'm going to name a couple from Keown Chabale. We've got Paul Nucruce, the first hole, which is the Hole of Steel. Um, third hole is Cheval, which is Elizabeth. Fourth hole, Paul on Fibra, which is Hole of the Pipers. And it continues. Gorta Duva, the Black Field. Omnionon. So if there's any Irish teachers out there, can you tell me what Omnionon means? The Feracas, the Sisters. Ifran, the Ninth Hole. Hell. And it sure was, but I managed to parrot. Untirut, again, Irish teachers that do listen. Will you translate that one for me? Quilton, Turnin, Cossart, Cossi, Binvrak. Oh yeah, it's like being back in Miss Durkin's Irish class in Flannan's College. Um, but it was an education being out in County Bale this week. Had an awesome chat with Mr Flannery. A man of vast experience in the golf industry. We get into that. And everything that England has to offer. More than music, more than whiskey and coffee. An absolutely breathtaking golf experience. Roll it there, Colette. I'm as ready as I'm going to be, Paddy. Well, don't worry about it now. Some people come on this podcast and they think, oh, jeez, this looks all very intensive. You should have seen it a year ago when there was like, you were like being in a cage of equipment. It's not yeah. too bad now. It's streamlined now. It's not too bad. Still a little bit intimidating being this close to a mic. Phallic, big phallic mic here. I'm kind of worried about it. <laughs> Just pretend he's a seven there's, iron. There's members in the bar <laughs> taking pictures of me here. They're going to blackmail me later on. That's all right. Well, that's where we are. We're in the um, restaurant area of the absolutely banging uh, County Bale, uh, back west of Dingle, on the Schley Drive. Next stop, Blasket Islands. Did you say that? Blasket Islands, and then it's Newfoundland, Boston, New York. Thriving tri- I have to say one of the best pints again is in the land. Good man. I have to man. say that. There's a good wedge in it. That's my that's my judge yeah, of it. That was it was worth the fifty from our caterer David for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we obviously are in a in a live environment, so there's people in the background having food and stuff, so if you hear people chatting, that's only some random some walking on cars over there. <laughs> and there's someone from the Coronas over there <laughs> and you've international rugby players coming later on. <laughs> is that Dingle in general or just County Bale Golf Club? Um, no, I suppose it is Dingle in general, really. Um, we're lucky there's a lot of people who have houses here and live around the place. And uh, look, if any of them are into golf, really, they're, they're, they're coming back to us. And uh, we've had some great sessions here now uh, recently and over the years. <laughs> but uh, I don't know how much I can divulge over, over the airwaves. No one, no one listens to <laughs> no, one, no one listens to this. <laughs> Come here to me. What is your earliest memory of golf yourself? Um, my earliest memory of golf, actually, my mother um, bought me a putter, an eight iron, and a tree wood. I oh, haven't played 18 holes. You probably think I never saw either of those three clubs before. I was about to say, it's similar, <laughs> similar to what clubs were in the bag today. Yeah, she bought me those for Christmas one year, and she made me a bag herself. I remember the, the bottom of a two-litre 7-up bottle was the bottom of the bag, and it was kind of a hessian bag and a pocket and balls and uh, despite getting those at a very young age I actually didn't play golf uh, on a golf course uh, until I was 16 I was taken back during school so I was taken back in transition year so by uh, PGA Pro standards quite late to the game I suppose but I did play a lot of pitch and putt before that. Count you bail through and through from an early age? Yeah my first ever time here was uh, 97 uh, I remember the day, it was a sunny day in probably June, and uh, 
we were taken back in transition year one teacher with each group doing a scramble on the back nine off the forward tees and I remember I had a six iron up there in the tent and uh, it rolled about 40 yards up onto the green and we two put it for par and the teacher was like you never told us you golfed and I was like, I, I don't, and I'd love to tell you it was like a, a, a duck to water after that, but I, I went significantly downhill for uh, the next two or three years after that. Tell me about your 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 path back to County Bear, because you, college, and you, you can tell us, but the, the, the synopsis, should it ever appear in the Leaving Cert, <laughs> is there was UK involved, <laughs> there was somewhere in the Far East, or UAE involved, yep. there was America involved, so... I often ask in the pocket, what was your compelling event to look to a career in golf? Okay, yeah, golf is a good one. Um, firstly, I never ever thought it was going to be golf as a career. It didn't cross my, it wasn't even next or near radar. Um, well, you're, you're from Kerry, so it was obviously professional GAA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was full time in the football. I used to play a bit of football, but uh, yeah, the less said about that, the better, I think. <laughs> the less said about that, the better. Well, this is, no, God, we're, this we're is God's country in terms of football. We were, yeah. <laughs> um, so I suppose the first time I ever even thought about it, um, to be fair, I was good enough at golf at the time. I was probably down to around four handicap-wise, and when my sister Ursa got me a golf lesson, uh, with Tony Coveney, who was head pro over in Canada. So you were off four, and then you got a lesson. Yeah, yeah, it was my first <laughs> lesson. Okay, let's just clarify that. <laughs> so, I, look, I was kind of, I was sporty going to school, played football, soccer, basketball, played a bit of tennis, played a bit of hurling, you know, you name kind of anything. Oh, I wouldn't have been spectacular, hardly any of them, but I was okay at most, and I think it lends itself, you know, to picking up a sport. Uh, but I had the lesson, and I remember Coveney said... Uh, Right, hit an eight iron up there at that up the range, and I says anywhere in particular, and he says at that bush over there, and I hit the eight iron, and it knocked the leaves off the bush. You know, by now I was good uh, at at striking a golf ball, and he says, uh, right, I'll just stop you there now. And he pulled out a bar stool out of the back of his jeep, and he put it down, and he sat me down, and he says, uh, how serious are you about golf? And I was like, ah, I was cheeky when I was young, and I said. Uh, serious enough to pay you £100 for a 45-minute golf lesson, which I think was going great at the time. Sadly, those days are long behind us, PGA pros. And uh, he's like, right, look, the grip, we're going nowhere with that, so we're going to start there, and this is going to be a long road back. But if you're serious, we can we can make headway, and if you just want a little lesson and work away with something, we can do that. So, so we went serious. I had a very strong grip, very strong right-hand and left-hand grip. Very delafted, very long short irons, pitching wedges going 150 and 155 yards, but three irons not going off the ground, long game, terrible driver all over the shop. So uh, it was in the process of that over those, uh, I ended up maybe getting four or five lessons with him, that the first kind of inklings of maybe, oh, well, you know what, a teaching probe would probe be a cool enough role. Uh, so I asked Tony about it. And he said if he had his time over, like he was nearly retired then, he's retired now, he's still a golf nut, still hitting balls every day. And he said if he was doing it all again, he'd do psychology and uh, like biomechanics in university before he went into the PGA. And yeah, sure, sure enough, I went down that route to try and find, can you do that? Could you do it through arts or what exists out there? And I, I stumbled across the degree program I ultimately did, which was, it's called Applied Golf Management, but it's it's kind of a cross between a, a, a business degree tailored to the golf industry and a sports science degree. So that was my background, and, and, and that's where it all kind of started in 2007 um, for me in golf. So as I said, not on the radar, I was managing a restaurant in town at the time, um, Ashes Bar and Restaurant, I better mention them uh, for the, as you said. There's never, there's never any plugs in these podcasts. For, for your for your brothers and for, for my brothers and sisters and your mother who are going to be listening to the two of us chatting today. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, we did college in the UK because we played around the golf here beforehand and everybody's got to come here, first of all, but we'll get into that in a minute. You, were you went to the UK... And was that the PGA that you were in the UK for, or was that something else? No, I went full-time uh, full as a student to University of Birmingham. <coughs> and, uh, yeah, so we did applied golf management studies. Um, 
because of that degree program, like the University of Birmingham would be one of the, I suppose, higher end universities in, in, in it was actually University of the Year, the year after I graduated. I don't know, was there any correlation between Absolutely. those two facts? Absolutely. But uh, <coughs> huge sports campus, a lot of Olympic athletes and uh, like a lot of prestigious alumni, kind of cancer research is the big thing over there. And in the middle of all that, they have this perceived Mickey Mouse degree. They take up to 25 uh, students a year. And uh, yeah, we get we, we got the piss taken out of us fairly remorselessly now in the university days, I have to say. Uh, the funny thing is, I think starting wage, there was a survey done of alumni and like employment rate was up in the high 90 percentiles and uh, the starting wage was high, but again, you know, we were lucky, I suppose, at the time. Uh, by now, as as any golf pro listening to this would tell you, you know, it's it's kind of a, a, a poor, struggling golf pro on the side of a hungry hill now at the moment again. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose, in terms of PGA pros, in my opinion on it, which isn't listened to anyway, but it would be very much, the more you're engaged with the members, you're, the more you're going to get back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Marriages in the shop are exceptionally though, in general, un, un, unless, I don't know, unless you're getting your own stuff in from China. Um, so you're, you've got to be embracing your membership and engage with your membership and let there be lessons or, gr- or group days. And there's some pros out there organize away trips with their members, you know. So that's my take on that one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, what brought you to, what, what made you move even further abroad? Because you went further east after that, did you? So I suppose initially my, um, having done the three full years in in Birmingham, in the dead center of the UK. uh, Peaky blinders. Yeah, now famous. Now, <laughs> now famous. famous. Small heat isn't a million yeah. miles away from uh, from like Edgebaston and and Selly Oak, where the university is. Um, but after experiencing three of those winters and snow on the ground for a prolonged period, which, like I know in Ireland we get bits of snow from time to time, but actually in the southwest of Ireland here in Dingle, we almost never get snow. And uh, by the time I graduated, I I had kind of promised myself a bit of sun. So the I I, I did a few work placements. I was in Killarney for the two Irish Opens. Um, and once we got the second one of those done, I was officially finished with my, my kind of PGA criteria. And uh, I was looking abroad from that moment onwards. And uh, it ended up being a connection I, I actually met in university, Michael Braidwood. At the time, he had a, a small management company, Braemar Golf. They're, I presume they're still uh, still going. I've heard of them. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, they're still out there. Um, he's actually in Qatar at the moment, in Education City Golf Club. So they just had the Qatar open there back in January, I'm going to guess. So he put me in touch with the director of golf in this club, the Royal Golf Club in Bahrain. That director of golf actually was an Irish fellow as well, Paul Crow of the K Club and Sleeve Russell fame. So, like as as you know by now, Paddy, the the golf industry in Ireland is very in the world. Sorry, is is, is quite small and close knit. You thought Ireland was small, yeah. right? You th- you think Ireland is small, and yeah. you're only one person away from knowing someone. The golf industry globally is like is like Ireland. Everyone knows everyone. You're only one person away from knowing someone somewhere. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So. Ultimately went out there on a short-term teaching pro contract, four months. I love these stories. Uh, it was eleven. It was uh, November, so a very good time to get away. Okay, I was going to miss Christmas and the Rand's Day in Dingle, which is the biggest day of the year, the 26th. But look, I, I swallowed that in, in pursuit of the career and uh, shot over. So I had a, a four-month contract till the end of March. And um, I'd say it was before Christmas that that in for initial contract was extended. Mm. Um, and then I'd say before the following summer, before I went home, it was extended again. And my role in the meantime kind of morphed into operations. So I, mm. I, I started coaching on either side of shifts. But I was um, golf ops, might have been golf ops and events supervisor initially, and then eventually golf operations manager. And the Royal Golf Club in Bahrain is... Uh, 
It's now a Troon property, and it was Troon took over whilst I was there, so I was lucky to be there to experience what that was like from a career standpoint and uh, to learn or to see firsthand what they do when they come into a golf course. And uh, it was a very busy course, 600 members. Bahrain, I think, is 12 miles by 25 miles, or that kind of... That's the size of the country. It's pretty much the size of the Dingle Peninsula, 1.2 million. 600 members doing 55,000 rounds of golf a year on 18 holes. Um, it was uh, it was brilliant. I loved it. Loved it. And a lot of people w- would know, and if you didn't know, I lived in Italy for a couple of years. Dream job, loved it, loved it. That kind of same story. Never saw myself moving home, but then a life event happened. So what competitive event brought you back to Ireland? <laughs> um, I'm not sure it was a compelling event now, but... Uh, I suppose an opportunity presented itself, or it didn't fully present itself, on, on you know, while I was out there. Um, but prior to pulling the plug on, on on Bahrain and finishing up, and like we we had made a lot of progress under under the the new management, and I, I thought the future was bright. It certainly was. We were talking about Italy, actually, and Spain, and you know, the UK came up, but having been there for for college for the three years, I was kind of less excited about the Grove and more excited about, you know, Quinta del Lago or one of these places. Uh, And eventually uh, a GM position in in Killarney Golf and Fishing Club came up and it just, I think it was on the back of uh, kind of a restructuring at the club and it it really kind of lent itself to what I had spent the previous two years doing under Troon since they came in. Uh, in the Royal Golf Club uh, in terms of kind of examining everything, trying to steady the ship in in terms of financial performance and just raise standards and and kind of do that. So that was, in the end, it was was the role was offered. I discussed it and, uh, yeah, we we decided to, to, to move home and look. I suppose there was personal things going on in the background. I, I had a sister in the family who passed away during my time out there. And, you know, I, I probably had a yearning to be back in Ireland. It's like most Irish kids, I think. We, we grow up and you can't wait to get away from the place. And then after spending a few years away, you almost always, it's great to be home. And like living in Dingle full time now. Jeez, I can't believe how lucky I am. Whereas growing up, I couldn't wait to get out of the place. So it's 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 perspective really changes. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very much the same when I go home to Kilfenora and Lahinch, and it's like for twenty odd years. Well, when you're aware, I would say seventeen until I was about twenty years. I was like, Jeez, I I cannot wait till I can drive and I can <laughs> leave here by myself. And now it's I'm trying to get back there as often as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, fifteen years later or whatever. You very much take for granted when when you see a bit of the world. You're like, yeah, well, we had a, we had a good, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Count your bail. When did that come up? When and why? So, <coughs> uh, f- kind of five and a half odd years in Killarney. Um, you know, I I suppose the my I, my overall feeling on, on on the place was was maybe less enthusiastic than it was at the beginning and. You know, I, I, the, the the focus points had had kind of shifted from maybe my own, I suppose, what I would have experienced again, lending on Bahrain and in early doors in Canary. It was we were kind of trying to go a slightly different direction, and it got me kind of wondering, do you know, we can either do this or we can look at something with a fresh pair of eyes. And short term, uh, Initially, when I when I finished up, it was early 2019, and uh, I came home, and I said to myself, I'm going to enjoy this summer now, I'm going to have a good summer of golf, and like everyone in the golf industry, you all think we play nothing but golf, and as you saw in those 18 holes there... Uh, you played loads. <laughs> I played for golf, yeah. I was like, God, I was everywhere. Um, but yeah, so I said, I'm going to enjoy the summer, and most likely end up uh, return to Troon um, in the UAE uh, at the end of the summer. We'll let it, let, let it cool down out there and enjoy the summer here. So that was the plan. Uh, I was down the practice ground here in Dingle kind of March, early March 2019, and a member came up and was like, oh, are you back now again? I was like, ah, I guess so. And he's like, will you, will you take me out for a lesson? So I will, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll meet you here tomorrow, this kind of thing. And 
the hour I spent with him on the range, I'd say three other people. So that that practice ground here goes up by the six to par five that that you birdied. Is that, is that why you're kicking me under the table at the moment? That's not me at all. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that the six hole that you 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 made birdie on today. So the practice ground is out there. So obviously, whilst I was out there, the groups were going up, and then they, they were looking over. And before the end of the day, I had another kind of handful of lessons booked in for the rest of the week. And in the meantime, like I, that got up and running. In the meantime, I did have to go to Dubai, and I was offered a position there in Abu Dhabi early doors. Next thing, I was offered one in India. I was never totally gone on that. I have to say, having spent my time in the Middle East, I was less eager and enthusiastic to go even further afield. And lastly, I had a chance to go to um, a newly run Troon property in North London. And I suppose Brexit had probably, I can't remember, had it been voted on in 2019, but it was coming in They were definitely renting buses around London anyway. (laughs) (laughs) This is the reason your NHS is so high or something. Uh, I'd also just started seeing a girl um, who, I I suppose, in, in that time of year... And I was going to ask her after like two dates, you know, does she fancy moving to London with me? And I was kind of saying, fuck it, sure, should I say this to her? She's going to think I'm a lunatic. So I just said no to London and said, I'll, I'll figure out another thing. And uh, yeah, so I coached away. It was, and I couldn't believe it. It was, it was crazy busy 2019. We did clinics for American golfers, your link shots, your lower ball flights, your lag putting, your bump and runs. We, uh, yeah, we had a great year. Suffered a bit, undoubtedly, in the winter time, 2019 to 20, but we're just gearing up for the season again. And of course, COVID came with that disruption. But actually, as as most golf clubs would attest, like between the supports available to the golf clubs, you know, nationally through government initiatives and grant schemes and whatnot, and then a lot of other gyms and football and soccer and basketball and all these sports being shut down completely and golf being maybe available at least earlier and later than than the other sports. We saw a big improvement in a big pickup in membership, maybe a 10% pickup in membership in 2020 and of young guys like your age, younger than you. Um, as we know, most golf clubs, like the average age is, is getting on a bit and... Uh, on the back of that, there was more lessons and get into golf program was very successful. I've actually been running to get into golf here um, since 2017, as it happened. Um, almost, uh, I would say, I kind of fell into it. And uh, um, so because of all that, the club was going from kind of strength to strength. COVID, of course, hung around and was the usual mammoth pain in the arse that it was. Um and the next thing come kind of Christmas 2021, after coming out of COVID, those years went quick. The golf club suddenly uh, advertised uh, a role here for kind of a sales marketing uh, manager they were looking for. And with the coaching, which was very busy from kind of, let's say, the masters until October bank holiday weekend and then hit and miss weather-wise, no indoor swing studio yet. Um, I love that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and there will be one. There will be one. I, I hope to come come November first this year. I'm hoping we'll, we'll we'll have our ducks in a row on that front. Um, I was debating it. Would I or wouldn't I? Do you know? It was nice being self-employed and being your own boss and not having to worry about necessarily your p's and q's or, or what way the perception of of you know where the club is going or did you hear they're going doing this or they're cutting down the rough this time of year What's they're that sending about? your man to florida <laughs> in january <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> so in the end i applied uh luckily enough i got the position and i suppose from my standpoint given uh, at that stage i was 14 years full-time in the go- immersed in the golf industry we mentioned that's a small industry i have a large large group of, of people who I would consider friends and colleagues and people I'd meet for a pint when they're around or meet for a bite to eat or meet in Orlando at the PGA show or in Ireland at the IG2A. You know, there's two weekends a year there where the Irish uh, golf fraternity meet up and then you have all the different fundraisers and Irish Opens and whatnot. And between the tour operators, North American pros that I've met over the years, I, I felt I had a lot to offer in terms of increasing our international presence 
Um, now that's a, a work in progress very much and there's plenty to do, but on the back of that and on the back of my kind of best practice, let's say theoretical kind of approach of interested in digital media and all that kind of thing, you know, I, I, t I felt a, a strong candidate and, you know, thankfully now it's, uh, this PGA show just gone was actually my second PGA show for, for this club. Uh, it was my ninth PGA show all overall. And I have to say, on one hand, I'm amazed, really, when you're talking to a North American person, how enthusiastic or eager they are to play uh, a Lynx golf course. Because, of course, they don't really have that at home. They have Bandon Dunes up in Oregon. It's nice. And it's it, only new. Yeah, and it looks the part. I'm not sure how it does it play as, as bouncy as, as what we just experienced there. But basically, like they, they're, the desire and demand for Lynx golf is, is, is very high in the North American market. Okay, we're now into 2022 and you're seeing, you're seeing a record-breaking year in any of the marquee clubs. So I'll stick with Kerry in the marquee clubs. You know, we'll, we'll go south to north. You're talking about Waterville, Tralee, Valley Bunyan, really. Of course, Dukes will do a lot as well. Um, but that that level, La Hinch, Dumbeg, get up to, to the north. I don't like the northwest. Obviously, I've done a lot to get on the board. And they have some serious golf products up there. Valley Liff and Rossapena. You know, Port Salon, Ross's Point, Cairn, Inniscrone, get over into Derry, Castle Rock, Port Stewart, Port Rush, Royal County Down. Like, I saw a couple of Parkland courses in Belfast there the last day, and I could not believe my eyes. Never, like, these aren't on the international scene at all, but the quality of the courses. Then you're down to RCD, our buddy Paul in Art Glass, and Liam in Baltray, and suddenly you're back down Late to Dublin, and there's Port Marnock, Port Marnock Links, the yeah, island. Keep going. You know, the K Club, I, I didn't even mention Adair when I was in the Southwest, but like the the golf fraternity and, and these huge clubs are having, uh, you know, a multi, multi-million euro year individually, not to mind the the, the totality of, of what that's worth to the Irish the economy and all, the, and all the communities they're in and all the county bales that the Innescrones are in and the Strand Hills are yeah. in and the Ross Layers. And we're all trying to, you know, pick up you know, the smaller clubs, the next tier of clubs, if you like, are, are probably trying to increase their their international market segment, uh, grow that grow that pocket as much as we can. We're pretty good here in Dingle. Like we've we've, as you heard today, there's we've, you know Americans in front and behind us there on the golf course, and it's brilliant that oh, Oklahoma strong was on yeah, today. Yeah, OSU, <laughs> OSU was on. Um, they, they don't like fast golf over in OSU, I don't think, from what we've seen here in the podcast. But look, the boys had a great time. I was chatting to them afterwards. And our main goal here, look, Countryvale is, believe it or not, the most westerly golf course in Ireland. The most westerly golf course in the Wild Atlantic Way, we're now saying, because it's become such a tagline and, you know, brand in itself. But, of course, the Dingle Peninsula is a massive brand as well. And, you know, you have a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And, like, from I always said it's kind of the number two tourism town in Ireland outside of Killarney. And you have to say head drive, the town itself, the bars, the restaurants, Dingle Whiskey Distillery, the tours and the Blasket Island trips. And, you know, insert business here because it's, it's heaving. Like, when you drive back in through town now later on, you won't believe your eyes in the amount oh, yeah. of traffic. Like, I was saying it to you er like earlier on about I love coming here. Like I lived in Tralee for four or five years. So this is the first time I've come to Dingle not to hit people. <laughs> I was saying, cause I, every time I come over, um, oh, Connor's pass was to play football, right? Or to stop other people from playing football more so. <laughs> so it was nice. But it, I left it. I left at what time? I left it uh, quarter to eight. And I stopped at the top of the Connor pass because it was... For once, there was no mist, and I could see <laughs> yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, and it's insane. So, like, even the like, you just stick on in yeah for about forty minutes. Yeah, yeah, you could do, do or, or the Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Yeah, but like, just the the vistas to get here are worth the drive. Absolutely. And then when you get here, there's a club. And I was on my phone there. You're like, watch your man on his phone, because I I, re I researched extensively, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> the club is nearly a hundred years old. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, 1924, I think, I'm, I'm yeah. hoping now. Yeah, yeah, spot on, 1924. So I was like, how old is it? Yeah. It's so like, how many years have people be coming over the Connor Pass to play golf here? Yeah, so yeah. I, I suppose, look, if it, if they were coming over Connor Pass in 1924, it could have been on the back of a, a back of a horse and cart, you know. With a set of hickories in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't want to drop one of your feathery balls on the way down there. You'd be looking for it for the rest of the, the trip. Yeah, so it was a golf club that was in town originally. Well, it was just outside the other side of town uh, in Dunsheen, um, well before my time and your time on this earth. Uh, it moved back here like most golf clubs that moved. And there'd be a landowner generally behind it looking for a bit more dollar <laughs> or kickback or maybe it'll be used for something else. And they, they ended up coming back here. There was actually a hotel here, Dunanor Hotel, it was the wild, wild west, I tell you. Again, I was too young for it, but I've heard the stories. Uh, now, I still think this place is a little bit like the wild, wild west. If, if we were here, um, you know, what time is it? It's, it's half two. If we were here half two on, on Saturday night, you know, you'd see what I mean. But there was originally a nine-hole course here uh, and kind of built on in conjunction with a hotel. And the, the first hole you sp- was the, the now fourth hole. Yeah, what year are we talking about here? We're talking uh, that was in the 70s, I'm going to say early 70s. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was nine hole, Eddie Hackett of, you know, Waterville, Dukes, Ballyliffin, and about 100 other golf courses. I think about 40 originals and worked on 60 more courses in Ireland. But I suppose Karen being his last one gets a lot of the plaudits and uh, just for its ruggedness and the dunes there. But... You know, Hackett was renowned for kind of playing with what he has in front of him. And, you know, there's a great story here on the 10th hole um, where someone, when when it was open, because the back nine was added on, but it was off Hackett's drawings. Um, Christy O'Connor Jr. based his development they're on They're not Hackett's too bad names to have involved in the Yeah, they're good. Not, they're good. Um, <laughs> and we recently found, I suppose we'll come on to it, but we recently found Hackett's original hand-drawn you know, back nine, and that's kind of the basis for what Ken Carney is now doing at the club. But the story on the tent was there's the big hump on the left. I was telling you off the tee, you're dead if you're left of the flag. Then we bought it at left of the flag, but we won't go into that. But there's a big hump there, and when it was opened first, some member kind of commented like, Jesus, what's, what's the story with the hump? Like, that makes no sense having that there. And Hackett just said, sure, isn't that what was there? That was just there, you know. There was no bulldozers and grand ground schemes it was you know played as 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 you see it and and utilize the natural kind of features and and topography of the land you have so like we're looking kind of out at the back well i'm looking i suppose you're not out at the back of the tent but like what a green site that is and that's kind of where hackett based himself utilizing the best to what the nature kind of or the lie of the land was and i think that's what you get here you get a very fair links Brilliant greens, as you'll you'll have picked up on there when you canned that sixty footer for bogey on the last. For bogey, yeah, <laughs> from off the green. From off the green. <laughs> and, uh, I played a lot of like, golf on the 18th hole. It was getting yeah, we'd be renowned for kind of brilliant putting surfaces and generally great surfaces overall, the, the fairways and surrounds. And you know, despite having one of the highest slope ratings in Kerry Golf, I think we have the highest at one, it was 135 off the whites and we got it revised and it came back at 134. So everyone gets extra shots here, so you would have beaten me by even more. <laughs> and, uh, um, but despite that slope rating being so difficult or, or at least, you know, warning or pre-warning. It's about perceived difficulty now. I know we weren't off the tips, we yeah. were off the whites, but it's still exceptionally playable. You do need to be knowing what you're doing, though. Like, I I was playing with you, so <laughs> you grew yeah. up playing golf here. So there was a lot of shots I wouldn't have hit. I'd have just pinged out driver all the time. Yes, yeah. And you can't do that. And even if you go back further, you definitely can't, uh, I would imagine. Um, yeah. So you really, ha- I would class as a ball striker's course. It's a golfer's. If you are off a g- decent handicap, in County Bale, you are well able to play golf. But it's not more so due to the difficulty of the course. It's just the way it plays. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You're probably a good wind player, too, if you're, if you're a <laughs> low <laughs> handicap around. But if you're this close you're to the do- wind. <laughs> if you're playing golf this close <laughs> to the Dune Queen Pier, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely are used exactly, to the wind. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you're, you're getting a lot of wind. And, and the, look, all year round, we had a great day for golf, really, today. 
um, conditions-wise. And, you know, you're, you're also picking up on, like, despite that course rating, what you're getting, and you're right about, like, we played the white markers today, and they're probably forward, as they would be most weekdays, because, of course, our OSU chums in front and the, the, the gang that were behind us, like, there's also the operational necessity to get them around. Um, now, it's very early June. Uh, it was a late spring. Like, we probably got the course playing as benign as we can get it because the, the, the rough isn't quite as bad as it's going to be in maybe even two weeks' time. Mm. And uh, it'll play narrower. The fairways will be probably bouncier, even though they were quite bouncy today. And, and suddenly then... It's an absolute premium on, on putting the ball in play. And, you know, it's not about, it's not a, not necessarily a driver golf course. Now I say that, I was telling you, like I was looking at some of the the young younger players here, the, the very low handicap young, young guys. Yeah, Sean Desmond and company. And like, he hits driver everywhere here. There's, there's zero concern. Like I would never hit driver up the eighth or down the 14th because I'm too worried about hitting it into the shite and losing my ball or whatever. And, like they don't even see that it's just out it comes free tension free it doesn't hurt if your swing pads less than 1.5 degrees off of dead square and you're swinging um, at 125 <laughs> yeah, million you miles don't have an hour. to worry too much about it but you know i think it's a very fair golf course for any ability a golfer like the, if you're a short short arse you're going to get a bit of roll off the tee there's plenty of elevated tees Yes, you're going to probably get in trouble trying to get over some of the hazards in front of greens and things, but it is friendly for for high handicapper mid with plenty of bite for the likes of, of, of you know yourself and guys Easy like now. that. The likes of Shani Desmond. <laughs> um, what's what's the play like with the local community? Was golf always seen as yeah, County Bale? Sure, anyone can play there. And is like how invested in the in the local community in County Bale and Dingle beyond is is the golf club and members? Yeah, uh, I would say highly enough invested. The club is certainly a very open and welcoming and relaxed environment. Um, you know, we're we're not overly concerned on you know as you can see in the clubhouse there when we came in. That was that was a non-golf group that were eating, and you know the the community. There, there was about fifteen people. <laughs> yeah, there. yeah, the community. Um, uses the, the, the clubhouse uh, as a, an extra hub like the bar there does great trade and food is brilliant here at the clubhouse and within the community maybe going back, if you went back along a few more years, maybe there, there might have been some hesitancy from the community, you know, like, like a lot of golf clubs, they might not have been the most open handed, but certainly in, in, in the last 10, 10 years and more uh, the golf club has really thrown open its doors to to the local community, and like we have an awful lot. Uh, we were discussing about COVID and the lockdowns, and we've had an off a huge uptake of of young fellas, um, footballers who weren't allowed to play football, and you know guys like this. I remember Brian Obiogli, the Kerry player, started playing, and Jesus, he wasn't swinging a golf club twenty minutes, and he was hitting his nine iron about one sixty down the range. I hate people like that, them natural <laughs> yeah. athletic fuckers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could see the the kind of training in him, and like obviously the conditioning is ridiculous. But we've a lot, a good lot of young young people back playing. We've a good get into golf group, um, male and female. Uh, we've been running that, as I said, since about twenty seventeen. Yeah, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't. It doesn't happen, but it has. There has to be a desire first from the the, the committees of the club, the the men's club and ladies' club, to get out there and get a bit proactive. I think golf back in the day, maybe we liked to rest on our laurels. Or we nearly liked. I, 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 I say we. It's not me. Are you? Or, or this club certainly? But you know the the, the perception. The perception of go- a golf club was yeah. I have to wear a blazer and tie, and you have to have a certain job and drive a certain car and blah that blah kind blah. Of stuff. I played. Uh, we were we joined Edgebaston golf club in uh, Birmingham when I was in first year in uni over there and uh, geez I never felt so unwelcome in a club and like we were all scratch or kind of better golfers like you'd think they'd love to have us around the place and I remember we played one day there was about 12 of us three four balls and we had a game and we went into the barn having a few pints in the barn a bit of food and a bit of crack and like literally heard the old grandfather clock in the corner strike six and the barman was straight down now gentlemen you're staying in the clubhouse after six o'clock 
its jacket and tie only, knowing full well a bunch of college students, what are we going to do, run out to the car and change? Like, it was essentially a polite way of asking us to leave. And look, thankfully, those days in, like, in Ireland probably wouldn't happen, but certainly wouldn't happen today in Ireland, I don't think, anyway, that, that I'm aware of. And, like, we're working very hard to get out. We actually have a, a, a member invitational coming up <laughs> um, where all the members are going to be encouraged to bring one non-golfer and we'll play a four-person scramble off the front tees and a bit of crack. Like The, the non-golfers yeah. are going to get one throw per hole if they need it. <laughs> <laughs> Take the pressure off them. <laughs> and, but just get them back. We'll have a bit of music here in the bar afterwards and a bit of growth. And that kind of interaction with the community and as I said, we've been lucky. Jesus, there was a, a time there when we have a huge away uh, section here in County Bale, we call them the Fon Loiga, which is the Irish for swallow because they come back every summer. Mark Moriarty. <laughs> yeah, Mark Moriarty <laughs> and co. Now, to be fair, Mark spends a decent bit of time down here uh, looking for balls. And, um, but yeah, like, they're, like, this club is literally half locals from the area and half that community, these houses that we're looking at in the area. Uh, of, of people with um, a second home in Dingle and they love the place and they're, they're Gail Gores and they're up here singing songs in, in the night time and you know it's, it's a fun fun place to, to be a member of to be fair I, I go down a flat of farm that's, do, that, that's do. The, you, you've sold me. You you've sold. Down, I'll get the form <laughs> up to you. Don't worry about that. You've sold me. So we'll do a quick far Q&A in a minute because you've a lesson from an international rugby player. Oh, yeah, in, yeah. In a bit. Well, he's a pro rugby player anyway. I'm not sure if he ever got a twist internationally <laughs> or not. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, look we'll, we'll leave him be nameless just in so case. Yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the types of characters they have around here. Um, so if you're pushing the club internationally and you have a decent in, engaged member base, how are you looking to manage the whole green fee footfall versus keeping members happy yeah and i think it's the biggest question facing most irish golf clubs that that do a decent bit of green fees um and from my side i suppose we're starting from a point where like while five, 500 members is a lot of members it, it it's very seldom we have 500 of them in the gate on, on one given day yeah um so invariably our, our access to tea sheet here as a member is very good and of course your your saturday mornings are forget about it for tea times so like they are probably everywhere else you you'll have a few domestic market societies back here and we'll be squeezing in your international and visiting golfers and then you're trying to get the members out and okay there is an element of pinch point that happens there in July and August in particular when the Irish people that do have homes here are around. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the year, we, we're lucky in that it's not a huge problem for us just yet. You always have to be conscious of, of getting enough availability and access to the tea sheet for your membership. But that's something you'd monitor as you go. And I think, like, I, I think the club that has a great example of, of how it can be done is the likes of Ballybunion where... You know, they, they have the old course. It's obviously a cash cow that needs to be milked uh, twice as regularly as dairy cattle. And, uh, you know, you're talking about a packed house there from 1st of May till the end of September. And But they will pack it out with members, 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. They do one-hour starter gap. And then you rock up as a member. You can't book times, but you, you just rock up, wait in the tea. You meet your other members have your bit of a laugh before you go out, a bit of banter. Like happy hour. And then on the weekends over there, there's no visitor golfers or very, very little visiting golfers, and the members can book their tea times. And it's a great example. Of course, they're blessed with the history. Having another golf course doesn't hurt. But it just shows you that you can strike the balance between member access and international green fees. And look... I'm not saying we're going to be doing millions and millions of, of euros in nah, an international you game. You heard it here first, folks. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we certainly are going to make some serious inroads on, on the international scene. Um, we have done already this year. We're just launching a caddy program, so I might get you down to do some training with the I boys. I know a guy. I know, I know two guys. <laughs> we, get, uh, we might just get a bib for you and Jesus lead from the front, <laughs> and uh, we can throw away that membership form, then you're, you're in. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so we're just launching a, a caddy program now as we speak, and 
I've been working, I suppose we've been outreaching a lot, utilising people that we know over the years, the tour operators, um, swing here in the southwest. You were mentioning the northwest guys and even John McLaughlin and Paul and them, they, they send plenty of golfers our direction as well as all the other huge um, golf tour operators that exist. And thankfully we've good buy-in from the local accommodation centres, your, your high-end guest houses, some of the local hotels here, Benner's Hotel and, and even the County Bell Hotel here up in Ballyfurter, very ac- anxious uh, and enthusiastic about driving stay and play. And like the stay and play offers will be, of course, there'll be a, an international target audience, but also a domestic target audience and try and elongate the season because really we never we never close here in the golf course in County Bell. Like, of course, you might be able to stand up with the wind, but... Because the ocean is north, west, and east of us, we don't really get frost even in the winters. And like, if if you you can be guaranteed good playing surfaces all year round, you're never really going to be. It's not going to wet get wet. So that lends itself to the domestic market in the winter time when maybe some of the parkland courses are you know, in difficulty, closed or yeah, soft yeah, or certainly you know. wet. And you know, um, so we kind of have a, a plan in place to maximize the different segments of green fee income and then just tick them off as we go and slowly slowly catchy monkey raise the experience like i was i tell you yesterday so we're, we're trying to do we have a partnership with dingle whiskey which is for a new whiskey uh, distillery has uh, like they are probably more as famous for their gin now at this stage they, they won world's best gin and uh, i'm gonna say 2018 maybe um and but sure they only made the gin while they were waiting for the whiskey to exactly gin, gin is a few months turnaround yeah. whiskey is f- at least four ideally eight yeah so yeah, we're years. they're on their sixth or seventh batch now um of, of of you know varieties gone out but we're we're doing partnership with them they're we're gonna eventually wind up like doing kind of you'll have the option to do the distillery tour uh, as part of your green fee with us. And I, I'll do some meet and greet with uh, select groups, kind of throwing a, a, a nice single malt in front of them as they're welcome to Count Bale And just trying to, again, one, make it memorable, uh, make make the experience memorable for, for people who are coming. And you already have the rest of the Dingle Peninsula. It's an easy sell, really. It's just it hasn't been... Anyone who comes here is blown away by the place. So my, I suppose my role in that sales side of things is just to try and get more people in the door. And, you know, that's that's something we're, we're looking forward to the rest of this season and then, you know, driving it on in next year and beyond, hopefully. Yeah, that's, that was going to be my last question. What's the plan for the rest of this season and beyond? And I think you just answered it. So, <laughs> so we're golden. Um, well, my inter- interpretation of the place is I can't wait to have a score card in my pocket <laughs> and, and attack it with full, full blooded um, because it's an awesome golf course. And uh, I don't say it a lot uh, about golf courses because you could say it about every course. So I tend to just save it for, for when it's worth it. So that's all I got to say. The product here is, and like I'm in the sales land, right? Yeah, yeah, the product yeah. you got here is, is top notch. So I would encourage anyone to come out here and, and experience it. And if it is, windy and you can't stand up straight come on into the clubhouse <laughs> because they'll be able to give you stuff that you definitely can't stand up straight <laughs> for a while um no it's class in here um best scamp you have had west of well definitely south of the hinge anyway <laughs> good man good save good save come here to me um these are the toughest questions of the day okay and uh it's the quick fire q a are you ready i'm as ready as i'm gonna be uh Cormac, what would your walk on song be um, I'm going with Sleeve Bloom by Declan O'Rourke. Nice little intro to that. No walking on cars, no? Uh, boys would be Paul, gutted. Paul and the boys were there. And, you know, you can't give them too much. You can't give them too much. You have to keep them, keep them hungry is keep my, them my attitude with those fellas. <laughs> Jim, as in gymnasium or pizza? <laughs> yeah, my buddy Jim. Um, it is pizza every day of the week. Hat, visor, or a Keelan Rafferty bucket hat? Ah, I do have one of your bucket hats, but I'm, I'm going to go hat. I'm going to say hat. Oh man. Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Happy Gilmore. Tough one, though. Le Hinch or Port Marnock? Oh, Le Hinch every day. Walk or cart? Walk. Win the Open or win the Masters? Oh, win the Open. Instagram or Twitter? Uh, probably spend more time on Instagram. Play or practice? 
play. Who needs practice? <laughs> Says the PGA Pro. <laughs> Come here to me. Um, you might have stayed on to the previous podcast listening for this final question. So this one will hopefully definitely catch you on the hop. Um, I, it's more like a scenario question. Okay. And well, since you mentioned Dingle Distillery, we'll say you're after an evening in the uh, Dingle Distillery and you're celebrating a great day and you're after signing for a bazillion green fees to come here next year <laughs> and you want to celebrate and you're going to have candlelit dinner with six people. So you come back here to County Bale and Davy sets up the tables there and you've, you're at the head of the table and you can have anybody you want, dead, alive, fixed and a real personal family on it. Three people down the left, <laughs> three people down the right. Who is that, Cormox? Oh, Jesus. Um, look, realistically, on the golfing standpoint, I, I'd love to get get Tiger and, and Seve in the same room. There's two. Uh, I'm, I'm, but realistically, if I'd, I'll just go the, 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 the more sentimental and heartfelt route. Uh, I have six siblings, two of whom are no longer with us. And uh, if I could have dinner with anyone, it'll be the six of them and myself. So I've, I've, I've broken out your table for one extra no, seat. that's okay. But I'd go that route. But I would like Seve and Tiger because... Uh, they can serve the dinner. Yeah, they could serve <laughs> it up. Jesus, I'd be afraid to open my mouth to Seve anyway. It'd be dangerous. <laughs> look, thanks for your time. Thanks for the day. It's been really, really insightful. And I look forward to coming back out here soon with, with a gang. Yeah, pleasure. With, with a gang of people. Have you again. And, we'll again. and uh, yeah, we'll, 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 let's line it up. Let's okay. line it up. Thanks a million. Thank you as well. Fair play to you. Well... Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode even half of half as much as I enjoyed my day out on the Dingle Peninsula. From the get-go that morning, um, I had excitement flowing through my veins. Uh, driving through the Connor Pass with 1 million percent visibility is, is rare enough, so you have to stop at the top and, and take that picture and, and take a minute to just take it all in. And you continue through the lovely streets of Dingle. You grab a coffee and bean in Dingle or... Uh, or, or buy blue and you continue out Keonche Bale it's about 20 minutes on past you go halfway around the Slee Drive and then you arrive in Keonche Bale and oh man uh, and I only found out the, the night before I did a little bit of research believe it or not that it is Eddie Hackett Design uh, and Christy O'Connor and I wonder where that twist came in so it was really really good to hear that Cormac Toys it was 9 by Eddie Hackett and, and Christy took up the old original Hackett drawings and and finish it out to, to the layout we have today. And my God, positively, right up there, the top, possibly the top, if not top three putting surfaces I've ever put it on. Played Adair, played Port Rush, played Royal County Down, and the fescue greens out there, my God. My God, you gotta go out there, folks. Gotta go out and experience Country Bear, Dingle Golf Club, Dangany Coosh, whichever side of the political law <laughs> you stand on you got to go out there. So get in touch with Cormac uh, via the club or hit him up on uh, social media, Wide Atlantic Way Pro, you'll find him. And my God, are they able to provide an experience out there and by the sounds of things. Um, yeah, it's going. it won't be a sleeping giant no more either. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Powered by 4Golf Custom. Get your custom golf clubs. Um, they'll do anything for you, with you. Uh, we all understand logistical nightmares that are out there. You know what Dublin Airport is right like. Um, but yeah, they're, they're great They're great skins, uh, great family, great business, uh, five-star service. I, I can't speak highly enough of them. But that's it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you get out to Dingle. We might, I have it in my head to organise like a play and stay or stay and play evening. A day, couple of days out in Dingle anyway. Um, that place would inspire you. So if you're interested in that, sure, you know where I live, get on to me. Uh, PaddyTalksGolf.com or uh, PaddyTalksGolf and all them social media places. Uh, next week might be a dodge, right? Next week might be a dodge because I am in London and there's a live event on. So I have it in my head that you know, I might go out there and just see what the crack is and then report back next Saturday. But like, what do, like, do, does the event even stack up? So um, if you're listening to, to this part, that's I really just really thought of that now. So um, let me know if you've been interested in hearing that next week. So look at I love you and leave you. Peace out. Have a lovely bank holiday. Until we tee up again soon, I'm Paddy. <laughs>